What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Voice, and this is another episode of the Facts Project. Today, special guest, repeat guest, my brother, Brian Lambert, Wingless Comics. We are here to talk about the division between heaven and hell in the third installment of his great indie comic, Justice. Thank you for being here, brother. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure, man. And I, I just mean that from the bottom of my heart, man. We got to say that like a lot of times when you go on a show, you'll be like, oh, man, it's a pleasure to be here. And I'm just so happy. <laughs> nah, but like I really um, I enjoy our conversation because you're a real comic book head and, and you've actually read the issues, you know, on and on yeah. and on, man. It's fun. Yeah, for real. I mean, if, if we're talking about it now, I think uh, you uh, as as long as I've started this podcast, you have been the person that has been on it the most. I'm going to take that honor with the, I mean, I'm getting one of them, uh, like a YouTube plaque. Yeah, made. for real. Yeah. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm just send you something in the mail, you know, something yeah. I can get from yeah. the trophy case. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know, no, it's yeah. awesome. Like I said, I have a good time, man. And it's, um, it's always a good conversation, good vibe. So I like that. Definitely. So, I mean, to get right into it, I mean, the last time that we spoke, uh, you were pretty much rounding up the first, I would, I would call it the first volume of Nightfall. Mm -hmm. um, and with the with the slew of characters that you basically put out in that comic justice being included in that fold you know you have essentially a large large amount of uh, large amount of characters that you have to put out on uh, on a pedestal and every single one of them seems to have a story where they're taking it up a notch i will say that you know, so like that's always been good. Like in Nightfall, of course, I got a, a, we we've talked about Avery the Astonishing, which is of course is a constant constant uh, uh, hustles uh, imprint. But yet, you know, you've introduced Luxinus, Justice, of course, was in it. Caliburn was in it, and now, essentially, from since since I've met you within these two years and everything like that, now we're kind of at the point where a lot of these characters are starting to get their shine. Justice, of course, being the flagship of the company, but everybody else is starting to get some shine now. So uh, the, the plan was always to make sure that I introduced characters in a way that seemed cinem cinematic and also not labored. A lot of times when you introduce a new comic, you have a character go like, oh, crazy, I need help. Here comes Hal Jordan Green Lantern or whatever, because they're going to launch that book. Uh, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to introduce the characters in a way that felt like it felt real uh, in terms of I love Hong Kong cinema and a lot of those movies, especially the action stuff. You start every movie in the middle, like every, the story is in the middle, and then they'll give you flashbacks, little things here and there, and then they rush you towards the ending. So I always like that. I always like introducing characters in a way where the main character or the characters in the story already know them, already have history or already can interact with them. It's um, true. Uh, origin, ah, man, I, I feel like origins are labored sometimes, right? Like if you have to go and, oh, this person got their powers from a science, it's it's labored. We've seen that done so many times that I feel like it's unnecessary. Right. And so I wanted to do that in a way that, like you said, it gives every character shine. Do I, I love justice. That's obviously the flagship character like we talked about, but having Lux, uh, as a character is dope because that's representation for for girls and for young girls and coming of age right and then it's a plus for me that I get my sister who's an amazing author to write it for me right so as much as I'm introducing this character to this created world I'm introducing my sister to my world of creation right and then that's like a, a familial bond so while that might not have like monetary significance to the audience it has emotional significance to me and to the story 
Right. So that creates that, right? Like that's a synergy kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, same for, for Caliburn. Caliburn, I always planned on having Caliburn kind of in the background or interacting with Justice. Those, you know, Justice and Caliburn are my Batman and Superman. I always wanted that kind of duality there. Uh, and I wanted like the human guy to be the grim and, you know, I mean, like the, the like laughing, joking, oh, we're going to live through it, whatever. And yeah. then like the immortal guy, the darker one, because he's seen so much. Then we came out with images of Caliburn and, and people went crazy. Like, yeah. you know, for, and I'm not talking, look, I don't have hundreds of thousands of millions of people, but I mean, the, our fan base was like, yo, give me more Caliburn. And I was like, but let me finish. Nah, I don't care if we finish Justice. Give me more Caliburn. Um, hey, I think it's more so the fact because you created him to have this like really cool personality. I feel like, honestly, uh, cool. Like, yeah, like I, I always say that, uh, you know, they're my Batman and Superman, but the reality of it is they're like my Goku and Vegeta, right? Like mm-hmm. Goku's the guy, he's the main character. Everybody loves Vegeta because that dude, he's that dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like Caliburn's the same way. Like, oh yeah, yeah, Justice might be stronger, but Caliburn is that dude. Um, and so I really, really enjoy uh, being able to tell his story and the way that I do it in the books um, is I just do like maybe six pages per Justice book so that I can continue to do that without having to divide people's attention into three and four and five books. Right. Um, and I can just kind of build the story up over time. So the, even this next, this next six pages gets bananas um, for Caliburn uh, in Justice number three. It's going to be great, man. Like I, I, I like being able to do that. Um, another thing as creatives and as indies, we're, you know, all of us are like, oh man, I got a universe. I got, you know, hundreds of characters and we all do, but no one cares. Right. Like yeah. our fans care, but at the same time, if you put a poster up of a hundred of your characters, nobody's going to be able to pick them out. They don't know. So I feel like it was important to build on each character and like to introduce her and then to introduce the Saber Initiative and then to introduce Immortalis. You know what I mean? So people can, oh, I've seen that before somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, they've been talking about it. Um, so it just has a little bit more meat to it than me just throwing out a bunch of characters at people and being like, hey, love them all. Right. And, and, and I could say why well, I wanted to ask, I was like, you're not really with, with, with the creation of Lux and actually getting your your actual sister involved to, mm-hmm. to write the book. Like you're not creating no act of nepotism. If she couldn't write, you would tell her, no, nah, you ain't writing. Oh, that shit. Yeah, no, no, no. So so <laughs> it's actually a pretty. OK, so Lux, it, Lux herself is is a unique character in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. So my sister will bring this up at the most inopportune time. So I'm going to do it now. Years and years ago. Over 20 years ago, my sister had written something and she was like still either she had she had just graduated high school or, you know, was just about to. And she had written something. Um, and I was in my asshole days. I, you know, I apologize immensely for it. But she showed it to me. And I was basically like, this is the worst thing ever. You'll never be a writer. You suck. Put a pin down. Right. Like and so <laughs> in my mind. Right. In my mind, I didn't say it like that. In my mind, I was like, no, man, you need this. This is doesn't you know what I mean? I, I did it the right way. I realized that I 100% didn't. It was so mean and so fucked up. Um, But she actually was then and did become an even better writer. Um, And so when I approached her about writing Lux, it was hilarious because I had to go and be like, hey, remember when I had said you would never be a writer? Um, I was wrong because you're great. So could you help? You know what I mean? Um, um, And her, her, her background and her degree is in theater. Well, one of her degrees is in theater. So obviously she understands like cinematics and and and, and views and, and creating all these things. And so it, it ended up being great. And it was opportune in that um, originally, the original script for Nightfall didn't have Lux in it at all. 
Oh. It had another character. And uh, me and this creator had a falling out, which kind of feels like it's my thing now. I had a falling out with a creator. <laughs> uh, no, uh, we had a real, real difference of opinion, which actually had nothing to do with the creative side of things. Gotcha. Uh, but when we severed that, the character, some of the threads of the character were very important to me. Um, mm-hmm. It was very important to have an innocent face and an innocent voice and an innocent uh, perspective in Nightfall right. for me. And she's the youngest um, character in that. Exactly, exactly. So that was super important. And I wanted to fill that gap, but I really didn't know how. And so, like I said, I approached my sister about a character that I wanted to do. And I was like, hey, if this is if this comes out the way I wanted to, would you write it after Nightfall? Right. Uh, and I was like, you get oversight even in Nightfall. You tell me if I'm going wrong or if this is not how a teenage girl would react to certain things or, you know, whatever. Um, and if it works, people like it. Would you like to write it? And uh, she was 100% down. People have really taken to the character. Um, and so it just all worked out, right? It was like a series of mistakes that led to this really, really great thing. Mm. Uh, and, and it led to a really great script for my sister um, and, and a really great character. So, I, I'm man, dude, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm more stoked to see some of the newer stuff than I am Justice. And, and I'm stoked for Justice. Don't get it twisted. I was, like, say, I was like, hold on now. Yeah. So I like people being able to create around worlds. Uh, Star Wars used to do it a lot, right? Like Star Wars would have this main plot. But if you played any of the games, it was like these side characters that would oh, yeah. like interact and weave in and out of the main story. Mm-hmm. Like TIE Fighter is one of my favorite games, right? Because the narrative on there is so dope. But you weave in and out of the main, you know, trilogy story. Yeah. And so I feel like the same thing is happening with Winglets, right? The main story is what's going on with Justice. But now I get to see Lux and I get to see her come in and out of his life. I get to see right. the stuff for Immortalis. I get to see the Saber Initiative um, and all these like ripples that make new stories. And for me, that's so dope. Like, I know what I want to do. I know which way I'm going. So yeah. seeing the, the ways other people are going with what I've created is that is so interesting to me. Yeah. Generally, if there's a certain aspect or a main, I guess, a main plot and synopsis for an entire universe, it doesn't matter what who the characters are. You can literally subtract and and transplant somebody else in within that same yeah. universe, and it almost has the same feel of that original book that maybe you read. You may have loved those characters time yeah. and time again, but it's kind of like Star, like when when you were just talking about with Star Wars, Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Everybody loves yeah. Rogue One. Exactly. It's it's mm-hmm. so well done, and it didn't it didn't need to lean on the legacy characters. It could. Right. But yeah. it didn't need to. And it felt fresh and it felt awesome. And, yep. and you you got a little more hands on into the world. And that's what I feel like um, other series by other people uh, tend to do. It's true. It's true. But let's get into Justice Issue 3. So <sighs> with it, when we when we look at uh, where we left off, you know, we're we're kind of like at a standpoint where I guess uh, Justice is, is a little bit confused and lost but yet he knows exactly where he needs to go like uh, at the, after that cliffhanger in issue two and pretty much like from the opening sequence in issue three we start to get the reemergence of dante who pretty much is like acting like a karen to begin with <laughs> I, I love and hate dante um i was very influenced it's by- a good character yeah, so uh, I like him. He was influenced by, um, what you call it, too, like the uh, Dante's Infernal Game. 
Right. You know what I mean? Where it's like he's pretty duplicitous. There's some things that you don't really know mm-hmm. um, altogether. But I also feel like um, I, I base everything, not everything, but I like basing a lot of it on mythology, right? So yeah. if you're going to go to hell, who better than to guide you, right? Like, mm-hmm. that, to me, it just makes sense. Uh, so I love that interaction. I also um, take uh, care to not, well, to remind the reader that, like, Justice is somebody who's long lived. Like, this is, yeah. yeah, he doesn't come to Earth much, right? Or even if he's on Earth, he's interacting differently, right? Both yeah. previous, prior to this, you know, he he didn't have a human skin, right? Like, this dude is an ethereal being, right? So prior to this, and he's kind of hinted at it, is he was, he's never been on Earth this way. He's never yeah. just kind of stopped in interacting with humans this kind of way, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have these connections to other beings that have been around to heaven, obviously to hell, to all these things mm-hmm. um, that, that drive the cosmos as we know it. Uh, so it's real fun to be able to do that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I honestly like that take on it. I mean, the fact that you've been able to mix in a lot of newer characters, we, we, and, and no, in almost, I think in almost every single issue, of course, issue one, but yeah. in this third one, you've actually added a lot more newer characters. You did that in issue two as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, there's a good amount of side characters that you've never met before and all of a sudden make their introduction. Um, literally a couple pages in, you get you get met with La Muerte. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, she uh, now you you just basically told me who exactly she is and who she is in connotation to. She has her own mythological background, but yet she is taking the place of somebody who, if you remember from Roman mythology, the river man. Yeah. So basically crossing the river of sticks, going into Hades, putting the two coins on your eyes so you have safe passage. Yeah. So uh, even in, and this is not spoilers, right? So even Justice mentions that as in the first two pages when he's going into hell, he says like, why would not, why wouldn't he exact his gold price? Because he doesn't meet um, Chiron or mm-hmm. Charon, depending on how you say it, whatever. Which is um, the bur- brother. Yes, right? So he's missing. So someone like that being missing, if you guys know anything about me, is going to be super important later on. Right. Um, a couple issues down the line uh she la muerte gets introduced and she is a soul reaver like that is her title mm-hmm. um so she brokers souls and again we're going to see a little bit more of that in issue four as well what i like doing is building on characters and the stories uh as she and justice interact it come it becomes plain like they know each other oh, <laughs> for yeah. a long time oh yeah and, and- and if I may ask, why justice does justice just get ass every episode? <laughs> I mean, like, what, I what feel, is this? okay. So this is I'm gonna say this right. Like I feel like if you like the left hand of God and you're an angel, you do all these things and you're dope. I feel like you should. That's that's part of the game. Like like you got swag. Women love you. Like do your thing. No, but um, the 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 female connections for justice are also going to be very very important moving forward uh, yeah. because they're all very very different. If um if 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 we're paying attention right mm-hmm. his his interaction with Volante, he thinks it's one thing in issue two he's like man i've been your protector like i'm i'm the dude that's been looking out for you and she's basically like what are you talking about bro like you serve me i'm mm-hmm. more powerful than you like and he's like wait what because again <laughs> he's a little he doesn't really know exactly what's going on and, and that's going again another plot point that's going to be explored as we move forward with the story um if we're talking about billy 
Billy adds a humanity to him. Right. right? Even in the short bursts, there are things that he's going to disconnect with that she is not because she's mm. human. Um, so that's a very, very important aspect of that as well. And that dynamic is going to have an impact moving forward. Uh, when we meet La Muerte, uh, you know, again, her and Justice have a connection from years past. And that one, honestly, is probably going to be one of the most world shattering connections moving forward because it's going to reveal some things about Justice that people may not expect um, or may not understand. Uh, she's also, again, we're talking about long lived people and she knows they know each other fairly well. So right. it's not a stretch to to note that she probably has connections to Baylor as well. Um, who is someone that's in Nightfall. Again, these are people who have a history together, a long history together. So again, all these threads kind of overlap. And obviously it's going to take time to, to like, you know, to weave it into the complete story, but it's all important, right? And and I write justice from a place obviously that I come from. And female relationships are very important to me. Friends, my mother, you know, family aunts, like all these things. Um, and I definitely want to quantify those relationships within the mythology that I've created with a lot of, all these women are powerful. All these women are intelligent. All these women have a purpose. And that purpose goes beyond helping justice or being, you know, just an accessory. So um, as again, La Muerte is one of my favorite characters. Yeah. And as she continues to evolve and make appearances, I feel like she's going to be one of everybody's favorite characters. Mm. Now, if I may ask, from the perspective of which you've written these three three issues, um, and we've touched on it in past podcasts about how you've been able to bob and weave throughout mythology, but mm -hmm. from the aspect that you've actually taken pieces of a bunch of distinctive mythologies, whether it's been um, Mesoamerican, whether it's been uh, Roman, whether it's been Greek, whether it's been African, like how are you researching all this and then placing them into the setting of a, a lot of these stories as they're coming out? Uh, I, I take, well, I should say this. Uh, I one take Christianity and the base that I'm coming from, from mm -hmm. as a mythology, not okay. as a religion or a belief system for me, right? Right. Uh, because then that would be a disservice to what that is. So if I can look at Christianity as a mythological system, the more you know about mythology, the more you realize like a bunch of them are the same. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like a bunch of them, they tell the exact same stories with different characters. Um, I love uh, Japanese mythology. I haven't really been able to, to throw some of that in there, but it promise you it's coming. Okay. But uh, what I do is I look for the character and the purpose, right? The purpose of La Muerte is to do such a, you know, A to B, to justice, right? Or right. To, to make this story happen. Okay, I know I want it to be a mythological character and I look up mythological characters with, with similarities. Um, but I'm also very, very careful of the cultural aspects of it, of all of it, um, because I'm not one to just use a culture in order to uplift what I'm doing. Right. Um, it's important to respect what the character is or to distance yourself from the origin of said entity. Um, because again, uh, while we look at Greek mythology as mythology, somebody believed that at one point, right? Okay. Like that, that was their religion. Um, so I, I definitely try to be careful um, with that aspect of it. And there's just a wealth of ideas. And I think that 
sometimes we get locked into like diversity just being like oh we put people of character or we put women or we put whatever right but right. diversity to me is like cultural too like there are so many rich things in so many cultures and there are so many similarities that it would be a disservice not to marry them uh, i also said and something that we did malachi and i did very early malachi her has her own you know a pantheon of gods right like it's more yoruba yeah. you know if you've read the books and, and so that gets um touched on there so when we we're putting things together malachi and i had a long conversation so i had to tell him like i don't it doesn't matter to me right like we call them greek gods uh christians call them angels you know this person called them you know whatever they call them um but for me they all have the same ranking they all have the same status mm -hmm. so when we're creating a story if i don't look at a better than less than then I'm then I'm perfectly fine, right? Because again, I'm just getting the cultural richness as opposed to saying like, okay, all the Christian characters are going to be top tier and everybody mm -hmm. else is lower. No, man, everybody's equal, and that's one of the reasons. Another one of the reasons why, even obviously, we're talking about angels, and this is what he's how he presents himself, how the the spirit, the entity, justice presents himself um, on our mortal plane. Um, when we when we talk about God, I don't use it as like again just the Christian God. God is an entity that is a power beyond you know, our labeling. Right. Uh, and that's the way I treat all of these mythologies. And that's why I feel like I'm, it's, it's easy for me to marry them um, to each other. Yeah. I mean, it, it, an, another aspect of the fact that, okay, issue three is of course, has a lot more action than mm -hmm. most uh, than issues one and two. Mm -hmm. uh, aside from the fact that you've been able to touch on mythology through just the characters alone, mm -hmm. you've now started to introduce the creatures yes and there's multiple in this issue <laughs> yes 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 uh, so I, I was, I, a lot of people touch on mythology and then for you know they just touch on the character themselves you've yeah. actually taken the opportunity to be like okay yo i'm about to throw like everything in there i'm throwing some dragons in there might be some griffins in here might be yeah. some hobgoblins <laughs> you know we'll just, yeah. let, let's just put it all out there yeah so my idea has always been like that justice in the world of the wingverse itself is like a darker version of our world. Um, mm -hmm. And this gets touched on in the issue three. Um, there's like a whole soliloquy where it says basically that like modern comics, okay, I treat kind of modern comics like they're reality. And so okay. the modern heroes that we have right now went from the 90s, you know, from the 80s where it was like bright in the silver golden age and nice. And then they, oh man, evil or darkness is getting stronger. So they tried to fight it with darkness, which is your gritty nineties, you know, uh, comics. And then they fail, they, they lose. Right. Um, so this is kind of the rebirth um, of, of that heroic age to me. So since we have the rebirth of that heroic age, the wingverse is a dark version of our world. All the things that we've been trying to hold back all this time run freely. People know about them. Billy getting attacked by vampires in the first issue isn't like uncommon. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not maybe front page, front page news, but it's one of those things that everybody knows. Everybody knows it happens and like sucks to be us. Uh, and so, again, you, you, the, if these mythological creatures are here, if, if, if an angel walking around isn't, you know, the most amazing thing that everybody anybody's ever seen, then we have to have those other creatures, right? Oh, yeah. We have to have the things that go bump in the night. We have to expand that if we want to expand the world. Because otherwise, you're just slapping a label on a character that you made mm -hmm. that does something cool. Oh, we got vampires, so here's Dracula, and bye. 
We don't have no backstory. You don't have any, you know, he doesn't have any depth. He doesn't have it's true. all these extras. Um, and so I really try to make sure that we do that. And not just for me, though. But again, I got Caliburn, right? So what is Caliburn going to be fighting? What right. is he going to be interacting with? What sure. are the far reaching um, aspects of any of these characters of what happens in Nightfall, of what happens in Justice? I like to set stories that send ripples through other stories. Look, you've got, sorry, sucks to be you. Saber initiative, but you got to deal with what happened in Nightfall. <laughs> like you yeah. got to deal with the aftermath. Sucks to be you. Right? Yeah, well, yeah. well, that's the whole point of the book. Is basically exactly. you're dealing with the aftermath exactly. of what happened in Nightfall. Exactly, as opposed to just leaving it as a like a hanging kind of thing. There, you've got to deal with that. And I feel like um, the creatures and and the characters themselves help build on that. They help create that um, in an organic way, as opposed to, again just doing a villain of the week kind of thing even though every plot is a villain of the week kind of thing. Like, I want to take over the world. I want to destroy the world. I want somebody to love me. Like, there are very few motivations for mm. people, period. Um, but I think you can do them in engaging and interesting ways in order to uh, improve your character and to, to show more about your characterizations. Mm. Question, and I'm hoping I'm not spoiling too much. Does Billy have an, like an ulterior motive? Ooh, you're not spoiling anything. Does she have an ulterior motive? No. Okay. Uh, is she more? Is she more than she seems? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and not in the and not in, even in the the vile, evil, whatever. Way, like I wanted, to, right? like how much power does she generally have? I'm not gonna tell you. Okay. <laughs> that, that's, no, so, that's, like, yeah. So there are obviously, like I said, there are some threads that are gonna come up later i can't wait to get you specifically issue four because you're going to kind of see some of those threads uh go uh move forward billy is definitely a, a very very interesting character to me and i can say that about all of them but billy is someone who would stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with like an angel right like she's going to mm -hmm. stare him in the face um and you're going to see why even their initial interaction in, in number in issue one like why she was there as things progress and and how that um affects her psyche Mm -hmm. uh, so again without spoilers because this is not necessarily a plot point um, Billy is out that first issue because she's getting over a tragedy right um, and so it's going to again issue five six seven we're going to see a little bit more of that and why and it's going to have the significance of like oh this is why she was here this is why this happens this is right. why she is what she is okay. um, but yeah alright got it got it got it <laughs> All right. Uh, you've obviously added a little bit of comic relief in this uh, issue three because um, we come to find out Justice's real name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can you pronounce that for me? Because I was oh. reading it in the book a couple of times. So it's Achniel. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So it's it like, actually, it literally translates to Lion of God. Okay. Because um, obviously he don't like Dante saying it. Yeah, he did not mind other people calling him that, but it was like a nickname. They called him. Uh, they called him Nell. Yeah. So, so um, as we get into it a little bit further, right? Well, so you've read issue three, so we know that Dante is not the most awesome guy. No. But um, you ever have that person when we were growing up, right? You had that dude that kind of wants to hang with the crew, and mm -hmm. they want to call you by your nickname, and you're like, right. Nah, man, my name is <laughs> my name is Brian. You know, right. you know, hey, what's up, beat? Nah, my name is Brian. Government, leave me alone. Um, yeah. So that's part of it. Uh, also, uh, names are very important. Mythologically speaking, 
worldly speaking, whatever, names and words themselves have power. So uh, Justice is very careful of who has power over calling him, right? Because again, you gotta remember he's an, an angel. So, and he's a, a guardian warrior angel. So who can call his name? Right. Not very many people, right? So um, that's important. Him being called Naya, uh, there are only certain people we've seen Baylor call him Naya. We've seen uh, La Muerte now call him Naya. And if you read issue one half, he tells um, the girl in there, the little girl, hey, you can call me Naya. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, very few and far between. It was subtle. Yeah, yeah. Um, even Billy at this point, I don't think calls him Naya. I think he's no. like, yeah, call me Justice. Like my name yeah. is Justice, right? So it's a very, it's a very important little nuanced aspect of kind of who you let in, how you let these people in. Um, and even that is going to come back between in his relationship and interactions with Billy um, mm. because it's important. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I love it. And I, again, I love, not like punking the guy who does that, but I feel like I've grown up, I've been in that situation where somebody is a little bit too familiar and yeah. you're like, hey man, back up, <laughs> back up. Hey, so, like my, my mom is the only person that calls me Jamie, but you know, like, so, like, so when people like call me that, I'd be like, no, no, you don't, you don't nah. get that honor. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's super. Yeah, no, nah, same way, man. So, um, I like setting that division, right, and and being declarative about that because, again, I feel like that's like a human aspect that you a lot of times you won't get in comics. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just going to go about their thing, and you know, they're going to call them by whatever their superhero name is. Hey, Spectrum, and it's like, but he thinks he knows this guy. Yeah, why would he call him Spectrum? You know what I mean? Like, hey, right. you know what I mean? Like, nah. Um, so, yeah, I, I like adding that those little pieces. And they're going to, again, I like setting breadcrumbs because they're going to be important later on. Is it uh, is it easy to, I guess, uh, because not, not necessarily to say that there's a bunch of time jumps in this or anything like that, but there's sequences in the book where um, you're, of course, in a setting where justice is from, whether it be heaven or hell, or, and then you have scenes with him on earth. Is it easy to provide contrast where he's jumping from there to here? Um, the easiest way and what I do usually is if it's in sepia tones, it's mm-hmm. a flashback. If it's now, it's not, right? right. Um, um, and so that's the easy kind of declarative way for me to do it. Um, as opposed to doing like a long time ago in a banner up at the top, because that feels right. like it slows everything down. Um, again, being a big fan of Hong Kong cinema, they do it like that, right? Like you'll just get a flash of like some, you know, memory that they had or some interaction they had in the past and without them going into too much detail about it. But the context lets you know what it is. So um, without doing that too much and using it as a crutch, I do like to have those things. I do like, in the issue too, I like showing justice where he's like, you see him standing one way with Billy. And that's when he's like, I'm protecting you. Like I protected yeah. you. And then you he, see the next panel. that's set him up to stand different. I just now realized that. Yeah. So, so he's he, standing yeah. there all with his chest puffed out. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And then in the actual background scene, she's actually in front of him, protecting him with the bubble. Right. Yeah. So again, it's it's those little things that like, Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like that to me is the, is the fun part of laying those breadcrumbs. So then when I can come back and say like, again, their next conversation is going to be different. 
hey, this is such and such happened. Like, now do you understand that like you're kind of wrong, Justice, or you may be barking up the wrong tree slightly? Right. And either he'll figure it out or he won't. But that's the dilemma of him being a hero. Mm. I mean, as far as the cliffhangers that you've been able to give us between issue one, <laughs> issue two, uh, now with issue three, issue three, because there's been so much, uh, so much as far as an action sequences, mm-hmm. like this, this final, I guess, mano y mano that has to happen mm-hmm. is pretty much waiting in the wings. Is mm-hmm. it farther down the line or is this something that we're pretty much going to expect next issue? So issue four is going to end this particular arc. Okay. Uh, it will not end the story at all. The story of justice right. will continue, right? But like, yeah, I'm doing four issue arcs. I had a really good uh, friend, just uh, Jason Reeves, one three three art. Like, yeah. that's my dude. Yep. Like, I love Jason, man. That's that's my guy, and he's put me on a lot of game. So when I first started, like two years ago, and I had my little zero issue, I had planned, oh, it's gonna be a six issue arc, be seven, eight, and blah blah blah. He was like, why would you do that? Why would you make people wait six years to finish one story for me? you know, mm-hmm. potentially as an indie. Um, and I always kept that in mind um, after that because it made so much sense. So doing a four-part story arc, I think it's reasonable. I think you're going to get enough story. You're going to be able to end it up and close it out. Now, again, does that even mean that it's the end for the antagonists? Does that mean it's the end for the creatures that we've seen? Does that mean it's the end for any of this stuff? No, it just means it's the end of, of this battle. Um, right. So there is, a, there is a lot that that is going to happen in issue four. Yeah, um, I would in think terms so. of their interactions. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're definitely going to close out. It's already written. Um, we're going to close out this arc in issue four and basically move into the next arc. Um, and issue five of Justice is a very special and very important issue to me in that I'm going to attempt to do something I've never seen in comics before. I'm okay. going to attempt to do a double issue that ends on the same page. Now, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but I want to do between 15 to 20 pages of justice. Let's say you're opening the book, right? You're reading left to right, like normal. I want 15 to 20 pages worth of justice. Then I wanted you to be able to flip the book over and do 15 to 20 pages of Caliburn and have them both end on that, you know, 21st page in the center. And it's the same page um, because the book is going to feature both of them. It's going to be justice and Caliburn wall to wall action. Um, And their first, big i i so even if you look at nightfall justice and caliburn are in there but they don't really interact they don't uh, yeah so issue five is going to be their first big interaction okay um and so again i'm attempting to do something that i haven't seen done before that i think would be really cool and i'm really like I, i'm amped to do it because i already have the story i already know the layout and so um yeah it just springboards a lot of other things so how much of nightfall uh, four uh, four issues being completed. How much of that predetermines what we're going to see in the next volume of Justice and Caliburn? Uh, a lot of it, honestly. Uh, in terms of, so uh, Nightfall Five is currently lettered. Um, we are waiting on the colors uh, to come back, so that'll be releasing really, really soon. We'll stay on track with the Kickstarter goals. I just wanted to say that, put that out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Justice is he's got the most movable quote-unquote timetable so justice number one through five and some of no one through six is actually going to come before nightfall Mm -hmm. then nightfall happens and then you know seven through a million will be after nightfall caliber number one all of it 
and and what will be caliber number two slash justice number five will right. also be before nightfall and then everything after um after that will be after mm. um so um there's a nice send-off in Nightfall. I don't want to, again, I don't want to spoil it. Not that it's yeah. like a huge thing, but there's a huge, there's a nice send-off between Caliburn and Justice um, in Nightfall. And you see kind of how things develop there. I do. Uh, and and um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's again, it's, it's not a spoiler. So I said, they're my Batman and my Superman, right? So like, right. I'm not killing them now, guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> so anybody who's like, oh, they might die. Dude, I'm not George R. Martin. They're not gonna die, right? Like they're gonna be like, here. Nobody's safe in my books. It's not right. that type of <laughs> yeah, type yeah, of story. yeah. So Caliburn and Justice are going to make it out of Nightfall. How that changes them, mm-hmm. uh, we'll see, right? But um, again, you get to see their interaction, and again, how the world kind of um, molds around them. Okay. Well, the, now that you've had the opportunity to expand, mm-hmm. and uh, you've inevitably had a plethora of your characters actually coexist within one book. Now that they are all basically singular issues, Lux having it, Caliburn, Justice already going in, pretty much going into his next arc. Um, Her, you know, are they definitively within the same universe or better yet? Are they just pretty much all, all on adventures on their own? So they are in the same universe. All of, so all of the Wingless Comics titles are in-universe titles. Um, we don't have any that are not in the shared universe. Now, okay. they are still on their own adventures within that universe. But um, to take a, a page from uh, Lonzo's book, Lonzo uh, from Concrete Comics, mm-hmm. we were talking years and years ago, he used to say that like if Acolyte destroys the moon, then Absolver has got to deal with the destroyed moon, right? Like he's got to deal with everything that happens. Right. Um, and so I take that same kind of um, mentality in the universe creation and destruction and everything else we're doing. It's really the same thing. Um, that's why you see her in, in Nightfall issue three on the Golden Gate Bridge mm-hmm. because she's, she's based in San Francisco. Justice shows up because he knows what he's got to do. So does Caliburn. But the reality of it is, is that she's there because that's her place. Right. Um, and so they all interact like that in terms of uh, sharing the universe and sharing what goes on while doing their own thing. And if anybody thinks that we're not going to do another crossover with, with wingless comics characters in the near future, you guys don't know wingless comics characters. They're always that was actually back. going to be my next question. Cause yeah, I was like, you know, being how you've had the fact uh, the, you've had the opportunity to do a crossover event and succeeded in, in doing so. Like if this this was not a like a one off thing that you uh, essentially wanted to do and said, OK, I did it. Now I'm done. You yeah. did four issues of it, mm-hmm. completed the volume. So now, I mean, there's a, there's a good amount of, of uh, collaborative companies that you're very close with. And who you work very well with. And I feel like as far as the community is concerned, I feel like, you know, it's only essential that a lot of uh, a lot of the companies that are out there, especially the the, the black indie com, uh, comic book creators that are pretty much out there, if they have the opportunity to collaborate, do so. Yeah, I agree with you 100 um, percent. We have. So Wingless Comics has a plan for our own intercompany crossovers uh-huh. uh, and intra-company crossovers. So um, 
again, um, it's important not to put the cart before the horse. This is so true. there is some more building that that we're going to do with wingless comics because I don't want it to just be a thing that's like a flash in the pan and blah, blah, blah. Like I want to build her. I want to build Lux. I want to build Immortalis. I want to build Saber. I want to build, you know, Scarlet Knight, who we just picked up. I want to mm-hmm. build Avery the Astonishing so that when we come together the next time, it again has even more gravity. Um, but also I'm working on, um, I have a pitch out there uh, for, <clears throat> excuse me, for and with Unlikely Hero Studios who are really, really good to us and they're really cool. Another indie company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm currently writing a crossover that will feature characters from fourth wall comics, um, from Hinde Entertainment, um, from Unlikely Hero Studios, uh, and a couple others. I forget, honestly, the, the, mm. the two others. Uh, it's slightly different than Nightfall in structure, but it's the same kind of thing. It'll probably be released all in one volume. Um, it's gonna be basically kind of three issues sized. So maybe about 90 pages. Okay. And again, kind of just a melding. I like being able to tell stories that can be self-contained. Yeah. But then also have, um, they resonate with the characters if you take them out of that. Uh, So again, Nightfall, you can actually look at Nightfall in a bubble. Mm -hmm. And Wingless can still do what it does outside of that with ever having interacted with Nightfall. But you can also see, again, the ripples of what Nightfall is and was and what happened as the characters move forward. And so, I mean, I have no problem. I'm hoping, right? Not even say I have yeah. no problem. I'm hoping I become like, oh man, this is an indie crossover guy. If we want to do a crossover, come to Brian. You know what okay. I mean? Like that would be, that would be a dream for me. Well, well I, I take it as you also being an avid read, reader of comics. You know, yeah. you tend to have a love for characters, even if they're not even your own. So like generally, I, I get the same excitement, you know, being how, uh, of course, I basically spent way too much bread on Kickstarter <laughs> campaigns. But, right. you know, I'm reading all these characters. I'm like, this character, like, I, p- pieces here and there. This character's dope. This character's dope here. This character's dope over here. You know, I, uh, but you, you're different than me. You get the opportunity to, like, have the, these brainstorming sessions in your head to be like, I wonder if I could take this person, combine them with, mine and pull some from here and then maybe there's just like this big cataclysmic event that i could possibly make yeah and so the fun part about that for me is the trust that people have had in me right so right. even with nightfall uh, when i originally pitched nightfall um i got a really great response when i had to restructure and pitch it again i got a really great response so i was really really happy but those were also like my friends you know what i mean like that was like yeah. my group so how are they how is malachi gonna be like nah i don't want her in nightfall like that it's it's counterintuitive no, um plus uh, you, plus so, you would probably berate him and probably, <laughs> exactly right like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> annoy right? him until he actually gave you the, the character exactly. so when i pitched this new idea i have it is a bunch of there are people that obviously there are people that i know that i i've edited for we work together or whatever else but but the trust that they had with me using their characters so i shot the text message the group message which i hate group messages but i shot the group message to everybody hey i'm hit everybody up just so it's easy it's right here i got an idea i'd like to write your characters what do you think and before i could put what the synopsis was going to be Right. Yeah, like I just, what do you, yeah, exactly. I had like four or five. Yeah. Do what you got to do. Yeah. I trust you. Yeah. I trust. I was like, I haven't even told you what it is yet, mm-hmm. but okay. So that really made me feel great. 
Um, in terms of people trusting me with the characters. Yeah, because you you've actually had success in doing this. Yeah. So it's like, and, and the thing is, you didn't grow a big head and say, "Oh, my guy's going to shine throughout all exactly. this." You you put exactly. you put Avery at the forefront. Exactly. And so I think that that was a bigger part of it. And I, Lawrence and I talked about that since I since the beginning. Uh, I always. My, I feel like if you write a good character or if you have a good character in general, it's going to shine no matter what. Like it's going to be a dope character. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to do extra to make it a dope character. What you want to do, in my opinion, is like bolster the others. I think of a movie called uh, Dragon Tiger Gate. Mm-hmm. Again, Hong Kong cinema, right? Uh, it's got Donnie Yen in there, but he's not even the most important dude. He mm-hmm. does end up being like dope and he is important, blah, blah, but it's Donnie yin bro it's not the most important hero in there and i learned a lot from that right like i learned a lot from crouching tiger hidden dragon Young fat's in there he's not the most important dude he's not but he's not the most important person the females Um, are yeah exactly exactly and so that's to me i think that's the strength of writing good characters right i don't have to worry about like oh man no but people aren't gonna like justice okay cool if he's a dope character you're gonna like him anyway right right but then i need to make sure that people like her I gotta make sure that people like Avery. I gotta make sure that people like Lux, right? And they don't mm-hmm. have, you know, take a back seat just because I'm writing it. Like the story is so much more important than the character. Yeah. Um, it with regard to that, like then my character with re- with regard to that, whatever drives the story forward. And yeah, like you said, Avery literally is the driving force of Nightfall. You're from issue like three on, you're through her eyes. Yeah. It's issue one from her point of view. And then three and four, three, four, and five, it's yeah, she's the driving force. She's the main factor of making things happen, which I feel like is important mm. um, to highlight other people's accomplishments, other people's characters. And why Why bring in, I hate when people do that. Why bring in another character just so they could be less than yours? True. Like, it's what's true. the point, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to get into one of these, like, oh, well, is she stronger than Justice? I like what Stan Lee said, like, who's the strongest character? Whoever Whoever's writing. Chooses. <laughs> exactly like it's so none of that actually matters as long as you've got this great story going on mm-hmm. um, and if you can put your pride to the side which sometimes is hard don't get me wrong i had somebody hit me up about some of the battle scenes and they were like oh justice got punked i was like well he's got to lose in order to win man otherwise right. if he's winning the entire time there's no story and they, yeah the, and the thing is some of those lesser um those lesser battles where somebody that you would find unlikely to be like this invincible character when they fall, you know, mm-hmm. that that more so gets talked about a lot more in connotation to the character. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has that definitive thing in their in their mind when Squirrel Girl beat Thanos. Yeah. And everybody yeah. still talks about that shit. Yeah. To this yeah. day. <laughs> right. Because somebody was like, so whoever wrote Squirrel Girl was like, I'm just going to make Thanos the villain and Squirrel Girl's going to whoop his ass. Yeah. <laughs> whoever. <laughs> I'm going to make him, I'm a, you know, he's going to be formidable, but she's going to beat him. Yeah. And, and it made sense, though, right? Like, it, yeah. it was like, oh, well, I, I remember reading it and being like, well, I mean, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, I may not have gone that way, but oh, yeah, well, okay, yeah, it works. It makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, again, we get our pride sometimes in there, and we don't want our characters to lose because we're personifying that character. Mm-hmm. My character can't lose because it's the dopest. Your character should lose, though. Like, you, again, if, if your hero is winning all the time, yeah. then what's the you're point? in the wrong business because yeah. no no nobody's hero has won every single battle yeah yeah what's what's the danger there as well yeah. like you just really just oh my hero's a badass and then they did something else badass and then they did something else. okay well then yeah. what's the what's the tension there what's the struggle mm-hmm. 
Um, and so I think that that's important. Uh, and again, I, I've talked about, you know, when people write Superman like that, and they're like, oh, Superman's impossible to write. No, he's only impossible to write because they made him so powered up that we know he can't lose. Yeah. And then the moral dilemma is there because they're like, Superman's the greatest guy ever. Yeah. So all he does is run somewhere and punch something. And then it's a, 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 a dub. He's going to lose a bunch of times, but then the only way he's going to win is doing the same thing he did the, the seven other times he lost. It's true. Um, I, so, I felt the same way when Marvel created Sentry. And then it took for a book like World War Hulk in order to yeah. like bring him down a notch. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so you had somebody that was had the power of a thousand sons, but yet somebody had pissed Hulk off so much. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was like, fuck all these sons. <laughs> you know right, I mean? right. I do not care. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have the power of the entire universe. I'm right. going to stop this dude out. Right, hands. But I feel the same way about, well, Hulk himself sometimes. Yeah. Even okay, in World War Hulk, okay, what's going on? And then Ghost Rider shows up, and then Ghost Rider gets this godly power level that he's never had before. And I was like, well, it does make sense. It does make sense. But, you know like, what I mean? I got to do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it kind of even, even, it even even that out. It even Hulk being damn near invincible. Like, you stood up to Black Bolt, to Sentry, to everybody, and it even some of these things out um and i think that that makes again for more tension you gotta take l's man like mm-hmm. all your best heroes all the best action movies they take it look i love ripley in aliens she's taking l's the whole first two-thirds of the movie oh the, the the first movie her whole the whole movie was an l yeah right exactly she, she had to just get out of there <laughs> right that is seriously yeah. leave yeah yeah so I feel like uh, with the kind of Schwarzenegger syndrome, and it's not his fault because even he he gets stabbed and stuff, you know, and shot in the oh, leg yeah. or whatever. He gets stabbed but, and then looks somebody dead in the face like he he didn't get stabbed. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so we grew up on that that eighties nineties like macho. One of the things that I used to love, and uh, I'm not so much of a Bruce Willis fan anymore, but Die Hard. Oh yeah, I love no Die shoes. Hard. Hmm? No shoes. Right. Even he, no he shoes had glass for me. in his foot. You you put I, glass in my foot. I'm done. It's a wrap. I'm not doing this in a movie. Yeah, yeah. I like when he gets shot in the shoulder and he screams like a, like a teenage girl. He gets skinned by a bullet. And it's, I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, he's because he wasn't invincible at that point, right? right? Like, I remember Rambo. I think it's Rambo 3. This dude gets shot with, like, a spear or something, and it's in his stomach. He pushes the spear out, puts yeah. gunpowder into the wound, burns the wound, and then he's cool. I was like, bro, that would hurt so much yeah <laughs> like, like you, you would hear me throughout the entire jungle <laughs> exactly exactly so um I, I like having that I, I get that everybody you know every this is one of my crit- critiques or criticisms about wolverine wolverine is always like i'm the best at what i do it's just not real pretty but he's really not like yeah. his kung fu skills suck like he just gets shot a lot and can take the damage so then he stabs somebody and i was right. like that's not really fair that's not really dope and then his healing factor is so overpowered and on and on and on. They took him from being like a cool, dangerous kind of character to an unbeatable character with like a MacGuffin. Right. He's he's pretty much like a sports team that has way too much offense, but no defense. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. Yeah, like, yeah, it's um, I, I'm not uh, I'm not a fan of that. And I feel like it makes for bad characters. Yeah, well, we know Wolverine can't lose, but it used to Wolverine used to get beat up all the time. Sabretooth oh, yeah. used to beat the brakes off of him, but that's what made him dope. Because right. he would still continue to try to fight him. The next mm-hmm. time it came up, he'd know he just got beat down, right? And then he's like, I'm not going to let you touch these people. And he gets beat up again. He's like, damn. Mm-hmm. 
but at least he kept trying, right? At least he kept going at right. it. At least there was a skill level there. Um, and that's heroic. If you can't lose a fight and you fight everybody, that's not heroic. You can't no. lose. There's no danger there. There's nothing. I've, I've seen a lot of kids like just get into fights the entire time and they lose the entire time, but they continue mm-hmm. to fight. Now that person has yeah. a lot of heart. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they're the best at what they do. No, exactly, exactly. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm much more of a fan of a person who's actually laying things off. I love Gladiator. You know what I mean? Like Maximus Desmus Meridius. Oh, yeah. Bam is stabbed in the back. His lung is punctured. And he's still out there like, I'm going to fight. I'm going to die. But yeah. like, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, those are the things that that come off as heroic. Right. Um, that, that you actually are in peril and you might die. Yeah. But you're going to fight for what's right, as opposed to, again, like a Superman who's like, oh, I'm going to fight for stuff. But yeah, you're invincible. I fight everything, too. Mm-hmm. It's not who dark side can hurt you. So one person like that's like me being right now, like I could beat up everybody else. But like if Mike Tyson shows up, Mike Tyson's going to fold me. OK, I'm still probably <laughs> going to try to fight him because I could beat everybody else. Right. You know, like your confidence is like on 20. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. But, so it doesn't it's, it's not for good. It's not good storytelling in my opinion that's true um when we when we're all about that like it just doesn't make sense to me <laughs> that's true that's true well bro i appreciate you doing this with me man so uh yeah how long how much longer we got for, uh, for issue three we got eight more days on kickstarter we are live right now we are over 5k congratulations um, thank you very much sir we uh we did obviously we funded um this is something that I'm uh, um, uh, unveiling here or talking about here for the first time. Um, everybody knows that Wingless Comics always puts whatever profit we get back into the next comic book so we can get the next comic book done when the next cycle comes around. Uh, because we're releasing seven titles, I get a little bit of breathing room, which thank you, Jesus, I need it. Uh, but what I, what Wingless Comics and what I am going to do with this campaign is, is move Wingless Comics and Wingless Entertainment a little bit forward. Um, the profit from this campaign is going to be put towards our animated series that fans may or may not have seen uh, images of called um, Magnificent. It is a spy funk Western. Um, And so I'm really looking forward to that. Again, I'm really looking forward to building the platform that a lot of us always talk about um, in terms of moving black excellence and black comics and black entertainment forward. Uh, I want to be even the smallest piece of that to show us uh, different images. How many black westerns have you seen? Like Posse, Bass Reeves. Like I can name them That's because I'm, there's only yeah. Uh, what's it called? Oh, the one that uh, just came out. The Heart yeah, of they fall. the Heart of They Fall, right? Um, and then the the YouTube that they did before that, the short. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's a handful, and I definitely want to be part of that to show that we have more to give. Um, I also like steampunk. Steampunk is great. Um, I feel like it's an era that's been untapped again by by uh, black artists and black people. Um, and so I'm very excited for that. Uh, you guys obviously stay tuned. Uh, that should be hitting by the end of the year here because animation takes a little bit of time. But we always and I always I always say we because Wingless Comics is a group of people. But I personally am always thankful for everything that people like yourself do uh, facts and, and, and people who support the campaign and kind of, again, move um, this entertainment forward you know what i mean and give us the opportunity to entertain and to tell stories and to get our characters out there so thank you everyone again uh, eight days live on kickstarter now 
over 5K. We want to continue to grow. We historically have a good last week. Um, so I'm hoping that that continues and, and, and we jump up a little bit more. I thank everyone for everything they're already doing. And like I always say, and I actually legitimately mean it, you will not be, if you're a comic book fan, you're not going to be disappointed by anything Wingless puts out. Like there's, again, you may not like, it might not be your genre. It might not be your story, but you will never, ever be disappointed by what we put out. We're going to only put out top tier art, top tier stories and, and things that kind of resonate with our audience. So thank you all again. Word up. And that's an undeniable fact. So from Brian Lambert, Wingless Comics, this is James Grandmaster Facts Boys, and we are out. Mm -hmm.